Welcome to Awards Radar, the podcast, a weekly discussion of the awards races, Hollywood news, and the films you should have on your radar. Here's your host, Joey Magidson. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Awards Radar podcast, recording in August, being listened to in September. Uh, it's time travel. It's uh, Time is a flat circle. It's wild. Um, as you're listening to this, I will be in Telluride. So we're going to talk a little bit about the impending festival today, um, as well as Venice, because Venice is kicking off, I think, a day earlier. And then uh, as soon as I get back, it'll be time to talk about Toronto. But uh, we'll get into that in a moment. Miles, you're uh, you're knee-deep in your, your play, right? So you're not going to be on next week. That's correct. Next week is our tech week, so I will be swamped for basically a week and a half until we finish the first weekend. But I'm excited. We're uh, we're putting all the pieces together, and uh, I think it's going to be a really funny piece. Excellent, excellent. How uh, is it in? How does it? What is it like when you're making one of these things? And you've done them over the the years and in several locations and stuff. When people know that you're like a film guy, also. How? Because how, I remember in college, I was going to direct a play for a little bit. And then it just it didn't work out with work and things like that. But they initially wanted to have me do it because of like, oh, you like film. Maybe you'll be able to bring something to it. But then there's an odd like prejudice I've noticed against like, oh, but film is different. Have Did you ever notice that or is that kind of just yeah so it's kind of and i mean you know not to name any names here but yeah i've definitely had that experience where like because i think your fellow actors can sometimes be maybe not impressed by it but maybe like oh okay that's cool like a you know it's like oh if you're working on anything you know i'd love to have a gig or whatever um and you know one of my favorite things about doing shows is that it often gives me a big pool to sort of pull from when i'm casting for like various film projects that i'm doing um, oh, sure. But then, yeah, in terms of, like, the theater management or other directors or stage directors in particular, um, yeah, there is that sort of sense of, like, it, you know, and they are, you know, directing film and directing theater, very different things. I did try to um, uh, put on a production or direct a production at a, a local um, theater and even pitched it as, you know, a, kind of a multimedia thing where I would bring in my film background to it. And it wasn't something that they ultimately wanted to sort of move forward with. So yeah. there is, I think there's a little bit of a stigma to it. For sure. I mean, there's a, it's a different medium. It, I mean, the, the job in broad strokes is the same, but so much Depending of the, the, the nitty Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, that's why, you know, I, I know people always get very confused when they see the um, concert films or uh, filmed uh, Broadway shows. And a lot of times it'll be a named director and there's just nothing about it that screams Spike Lee, screams, you know, Martin Scorsese necessarily. And it's, it's because they know the assignment. It's actually good that you don't notice. Like yeah. if you, what was it American Utopia a couple of years ago or um, Last Waltz or, you know, uh, Shine a Light. Like if it was, you, you don't want them to feel like narrative films necessarily. No, it's a different vibe and you've got to treat it like a different vibe. Exactly. Um, so we're recording this on Monday afternoon. Yesterday was, uh, was it National Cinema Day is what they called it? Yeah. Um, $4 movie day as everyone uh, knew it. So I, I had many a person sort of asking me to build their, their movie schedule because uh, people were, were willing to buy the individual tickets, which was nice. You know, I'm going to go see four movies, but I'll buy all four. So good on you. Oh, that's um, what's up. 
Yeah, the box office seemed to do okay. I don't think there was a notable difference. There's probably just more people at the theaters, if I had to guess. Since uh, I don't, I'm gonna pull it up for purposes of conversation. Yeah, like Barbie only dropped 18%, Oppenheimer 16%. Uh, well, Blue Beetle 49, but that's another story. Uh, but people went to the movies. So uh, Miles, you went. I, I didn't. I was I was busy. But um, I did like that uh, you could see older stuff as well, and, and not just like Old Boy being out from its uh, real release. Um, I know Jurassic Park did its 30th anniversary. I think it was in 3D a lot. Yes, uh, it was uh, uh, when it played near us. That was the only way to see it, actually, which we didn't do. Yeah, yeah. I heard mostly good things about it, but I think that's just because the the visuals of it hold up. Uh, and then things like Lady Bird and uh, American Graffiti I mean, had a 50th. Coraline's been back in theaters for a bit. Yeah. So interesting. Interesting that that uh, that happened. It's funny that it didn't. I don't know that it helped some of the smaller things. So like Gran Turismo, seventeen point three, Barbie seventeen point one, like that was always going to be the the battle this week. Yeah. But um, if you scroll down, box office mojo or whatever, um, Liam Neeson's you know eight hundredth movie that is interchangeable with the last made like three point three. Would that have done worse? Or is that just kind of what it was always going to do? How many people bought a random ticket for a random Liam Neeson movie just because it was playing? You say a Liam know. Neeson movie, but at this rate, I feel like most of the people who are seeing it are just buying a random ticket, period. Like, they're just as likely to see whatever Bollywood film is currently playing as that. Sure. Retribution. And, uh... Great. Can you guess what the movie's about? Uh, is it about Liam Neeson? Is he's got uh, he's like a former special forces or special ops, or he's got you know a violent background, but he's trying to go straight. But then a person in his life that he loves is killed, and and he's forced to go rogue, and he's forced to get some revenge and some retribution, and do it by killing people in increasingly creatively edited ways to get around the fact that he's a hundred years old. I mean, I it you might not be wrong. It's, uh, so here, while driving with his two kids, a man receives a phone call from an unknown assailant who claims there's a bomb in the car. Unable to exit the vehicle, he must now follow a series of twisted instructions while trying to figure out how to survive. Um, and Box Office Mojo says a bank executive receives a bomb threat while driving his children to school that his car will explode if they stop and get out. So, yeah, he's definitely got, like, a dangerous background. Right? Okay, well, we my well my mistake, it's not the same as every Liam Neeson movie of the last ten years. He's just remaking Speed. I didn't realize. A slow speed. Slow speed. Great. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. I mean, interestingly, Matthew Modine. Is that interesting, though? When he's not working with Nolan, that's about where I expect to see Matthew Modine. Probably. Um, Nimrod Antel directed it, who's not a terrible director, but what has he done since... Since Predators? It's got to be something since then, right? You would think, but no guarantee. Hang on. This will be a very short one, because I don't have a lot to say about him. So he made Vacancy. I remember that. Gnarly and... Vacancy's okay. It's got a it's got a, a visual vibe to it that was pretty interesting. It really got into like the crummy hotel vibe. Armored, I know people liked more than expected. Oh yeah, I forgot about that one. Yeah, yeah. Predators is fair. 
it just it has that really dumb like Topher Grace is a serial killer oh my twist. God, Sorry, it's part. thirteen years old, but everything else was like competent. I, I remember Lawrence Fishburne shows up for like twenty minutes in that movie and like steals the show. Yeah, because that was the like we can't get Arnold, so here yeah. we go. Yeah. Oh yeah, a role that was absolutely written for Arnold. Yeah, and like Adrian Brody, fine, all jacked up yeah, for that movie. I I I, fa- I found it tough to buy. That movie was fine, is the answer. Just everything about it, fine. Clearly, like, leftovers from the, like, more interesting Robert Rodriguez version that never happened. Yeah. Um, he did a Metallica thriller concert film. Oh, is that the Dane DeHaan one? Yeah, Metallica Through the Never. Sure. Sure. People, I think, thought it was all right. It just made, it just, I remember it was a huge bomb. Because it was not cheap to make. Um, and then he made a movie in 2017 called The Whiskey Bandit, a Hungarian action film, and now this. So, all right, he keeps working. He's, he's and doing made, stuff. And he made his uh, $3 million this weekend. So, good on them. You said you saw um, Oppenheimer, right? Yes, but in IMAX for the first time, which, because when nice. else are you going to get $4 IMAX tickets? And, uh, yeah, it makes a difference. I mean, the scale of it, especially, in, you know, when you see the big old New Mexico vistas. But even when you've yep. got, like, Killian Murphy's face blown up to massive proportions and you can see, like, every pore and every worry in his eyes and just, like, it. I don't know. It's, like, it's, it's wild to me how cinematic he's made this premise that on paper would be so thoroughly uncinematic it's so much just mm-hmm. people sitting in rooms talking about stuff but it's a it feels like a roller coaster it's yeah wild to me that um that it's got that repeat value and listen i mean it sounds like it was the case in a lot of things but massive imax theater every single seat was occupied even at the very very front row entire row full up it, it's wild to see like six weeks after it came out yeah no it's um the the free the the four dollar movie day helped a lot. Sure, as with I was everything. I was helping. Yeah, I was helping one of my friends like buy their tickets, and I was like, oh well, you're not handicapped, so that's gonna make this this screening harder, and you don't really want to be in the first row for this. So, but yeah, Oppenheimer making nine million bucks, breaking three hundred million. That's that's pretty awesome. Um, even like on the lower tier, I mean, Golda kind of meant to come and go. It's a Bleecker Street release, right? Made one point seven. That's okay. Not not good enough for the top ten, but like, that's fine. It actually outgrossed Jurassic Park. Oh, there you uh, go. Bottoms had a Bottoms had a really good. Uh, I think it was the fourth best like per theater average of the year. Making well, it is million dollars. theaters, yeah. Yeah. So, the, I mean, in the people the in the theaters that had it, people were like, oh, I I've heard of that kind of thing. So I I appreciated that. Uh, we saw that kind of thing happen as opposed to just more people. So like the Mario movie, right? It added like a ton of theaters. It added 1300 theaters, even though it's on Peacock right now. Yep. And it made 280 grand. So I, I, that was good that like, I get why they did it. Like in case you're bringing your kid, like the little mermaid did it too, but they didn't, uh, they didn't click in the same way. So I appreciated that, especially when turtles is right there. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I think it's just, it's one of these things that I feel like uh, theaters should really consider doing something like this more often, because, like, the amount of business you're getting in just one day, even at the discounted ticket price, like, 
all the concessions you're getting from people who might not normally be there but are able to splurge totally. because of the discount. I think, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Well, and the theaters are definitely into it. I think the studios don't want to take the loss all the time. No, but. totally. Well, and that's the so it won't that's be, the push and yeah. pull. But oh yeah, if there was if the pipeline starts drying up as it's increasingly in danger of doing, then there may not be a lot of alternatives. Exactly. Like I could see in a perfect world if if push came to shove like once a month, and it wouldn't be four dollars. It would be like eight dollars or something like that. Sure. That would be, uh, you know, like one uh, the the first Sunday every month or something like that. But uh, at the very least, it should be every quarter, every you know, or at least periodic. Like this is a perfect one. Like the last Sunday in August. Yeah, like exactly. Andrew Summer. Um, last big movie. You're never gonna back to school or whatever. Or maybe kids yeah. are back to school. I don't know. And then maybe like late January, or early February, like catch up on your uh, on your Oscar movies. Sure. Because they're never going to do it at the end of December when they, they want you to pay top dollar and see the big movies. But strategically, they should be doing it more. We'll see. I uh, I like it. I like I like more people going to the movies. So it's a good thing. All right. So for um, this week, I want to talk about – take some questions and I want to talk about the uh, festivals that are upcoming. So let's start with a question that you'll find a little bit um, – Ironic. Uh, Ryan McDermott wants us to do a film walk face-off for Liam Neeson. Ah. There we go. Um, how many of them have we seen, and how many of them are the exact same movie? These are actually... He picked well. Okay. I'll tell you that. Okay. Yeah, there's there's not a... Uh, I think it was just for that reason. I mean, I could do some of those with... Um, which one is non-stop titles. and which one is the passenger or whatever? I mean, that would be a that would I just be a better. Made, I just game. made up the passenger, but it sounds like it could be one, right? <laughs> yeah, that would be better for, for like, if I had thought about to do a game at the end to be like, which one's not Liam Neeson movie? Oh yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't do it. I I, I, I tapped out of those pretty early. Yeah, memory, blacklight, lust. I know memory and I know blacklight, so. Yeah, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Like, it's just like these one word, they tell you nothing about the movie. They're, they're, that is... Well, uh, clearly, because, like, the, the title for the new one, like, didn't help me at all with guessing the premise. Yeah, well, here. Um, since... Hmm, I would say after Taken, it, it started happening. But especially after Taken kind of wrapped up, right? Yeah. So, just for argument's sake, you have... A Walk Among the Tombstones. See, I like that one. That one's actually, I think, a higher bad. grade because it's Scott Frank. Yeah, that was that was him going, let me take advantage of this. If this anything, it's happening. one of his last more sort of classier versions sure. of these. Run All Night. Yeah. Right? Run All Night, which is essentially the same thing as um, Unknown. Same director, even. Well, he did a bunch of them. Yeah, yeah. They, oh, you're, you're gonna uh, was it um, Jaime Coletzera? You'll there'll be more, because there was uh, oh in between right <laughs> nonstop the one on the plane. Yep. Uh, or is it the one on the train? I know there's one on a plane no, no. and one on a train. That one's on a plane. Then there was uh, one where he plays Douglas MacArthur in a movie that definitely came out. Uh, um, he's the voice in a monster calls silence. Then it gets it gets rough. Because he's in the Mark Felt movie that went nowhere. 
Uh, he has a cameo in Daddy's Home too. Yeah. There's the commuter. The commuter. There you go on the. Okay. And it's and it's it's uh, Colette Sarah again. He's in Buster Scruggs. He's in Widows, right? But then you're getting really into because it's Cold Pursuit, which I like. Oh, that's the but only be- one, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's that's the funny. one that's almost funny when he's when he's like killing all the people who killed his son or something like that. Sure. Um, he cashes a paycheck in Men in Black International. Boy, uh, does he. He's, yeah. He's a voice in The Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> but then here, uh, you've got Ordinary Love, Made in Italy, Honest Thief, The Marksman, The Ice Road, Blacklight, Memory, Marlowe, Retribution, in the land of saints and sinners. Brutal. And then uh, c- coming up, Thug. Oh, Thug. <laughs> he plays a brooding, aging gangster. Uh, it was fun when he did Taken. It's not fun anymore. Now it's sad. <laughs> I mean, good for him making his money and all that. But I guess, but are they still making money? Retribution only made like three or whatever. That's not what they're aiming for. I'm sure there's... Um international considerations oh sure i'm oh sure my he's God, a name no. that can sell overseas but it uh it cost 20 million dollars retribution oh well that won't make its Which, money back no unless they're selling like uh rights that's one of those things you can it's all well and good to say well they make money but if they're not making money then what are we doing here <laughs> yeah well i mean he played he played um philip marlowe i saw i year. saw that for neil jordan but like yeah. I don't know, man. Neil Jordan is such a dicey proposition these days. That movie was boring. That's what I heard. It was it was fine, but like there was no take beyond like, oh, Liam Neeson could play that role and like punch someone once or twice. Cool. Uh, yeah. Here, let's talk about the good ones or better ones. <laughs> Um, Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace or The Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, The Witch, and The Wardrobe. Now, see, that's funny because I distinctly remember a few seconds ago when you said the good ones. Um, oh, we're starting off. Yeah. Okay, so Narnia, Lion, The Witch, and The Wardrobe, and what else? Phantom Menace. Uh, um, he's not the problem in Phantom Menace. He's not the problem in Phantom Menace, but it, he's not, like, shining in it either. Um, I'll, I'll go Narnia because he is perfect casting for Aslan, like to the point where I would be totally on board with him reprising the role for Greta Gerwig's version. Um, being the one that'll never happen. No, totally. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, I just think that's a better movie overall. Um, he's fine in both. He's better cast in Narnia. I agree. But I guess I would sooner watch Phantom Menace give that the tie i'm in massive indifference to both <laughs> um rob roy or excalibur uh rob roy i really like the sword fight at the end i don't sure i've probably seen excalibur but i remember nothing about it um i'll take the the slightly arty nature of rob roy not with a not with a ton of enthusiasm but i i enjoyed it um isn't that a Tim Roth, right? Yeah, him and Tim Roth had the big sword fight. It's really good. Yeah, yeah. I was trying, who directed that movie? Michael Caton Jones. Oh. Oh, he did The Jackal. Oh, he did Doc Hollywood. 
<laughs> I knew I knew that name from somewhere. And then also Basic Instinct 2, which we won't hold against him. Or at least not much. I was about to say, that's quite generous of you. Yeah. I mean, I imagine he was not, again, not the problem. <laughs> sure. Can you imagine being, like, directing, let's say, that that movie or a movie of its ilk? Where you're just, it's going off the rails, you can't deal with the Lee. Like, what a miserable experience that has to be. Yeah, I would I would not agree to such a thing. Well, you, I don't think you agree with that intent. No. But, like, I don't know. I, it's, the era for that has long since passed. And even, like, something like a deep water last year isn't really bringing it back. Totally. And also, I think you would, uh, you would also want to, like, know you could deal with the cast. Quite. Like I think you would go. I think that movie you would go in knowing this could be a problem. Yeah. Whereas, you know, if you got offered uh, Deep Water, you're like, I, I don't feel like I'm gonna get like the same treatment from the Ben Affleck's and Out of the Armors of the World. Sure. If if anything, they might give the same look you're giving. Like, uh oh. Or in the or I mean that movie is fine. It's weird. It should be weirder actually. But if that movie went off the rails like a Basic Instinct 2, I think they would be on your in your corner being like, what the fuck happened here, man? Yeah. <laughs> Let's just shoot this real quick and go drink. Or in their case, like, we're going to go over here and study our lines. Yes. Study our lines. Mm-hmm. Don't, in, don't interrupt us. Over some Dunkin' Donuts. Hey, whatever they call it these days. Gangs in New York or Kinsey? Oh, yeah, he is in Gangs in New York, isn't he? Um, yeah, for a little bit. I like Gangs of New York better overall, even though he's barely in it. Yeah. Um, but he's really good in Kinsey. It might be one of my favorite performances of his. He is excellent in that movie. Um, and I the actually movie quite... should be better. Yeah, it's, it's good. It's very good, but you're right. It should be great. Um, it, yeah, it was I mean, made this... too early. Yeah. I, it's Bill Condon too, which is funny. Like, yeah, well, Bill Condon is so hard to pin down. But in, but he, but like, of the filmmakers, oh, that's probably who seem like they should be. Things. Yeah, I mean, he should be like very, like, essentially perfectly ca- uh, cast for a director for this movie, right? Especially coming off of Gods and Monsters. Sure, sure. But they they really tiptoe around the. Let's say uh, Kinsey scale of Kinsey. Oh, well, totally. Yeah, I think that's maybe going to be what keeps it is that it does kind of pull its punches a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I'll go with Gangs it, New York for that reason. It is. It, it's going for the biopic crowd as opposed to the the LGBT crowd, which granted it should really walk in both worlds. But that movie doesn't. Well, I think like if it you say, made it was now, made too would, early. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it was just, it wasn't even a consideration. Yeah, it wasn't well, that's like my point, though. They wouldn't, yeah. they wouldn't have thought about it at the time. Yeah, which, I mean, I, I mean, who's to say what would have happened in 2004? Like, would it have even gotten, I don't know, would it even been a Searchlight movie? Or would it have been sent further down into the, uh, the indie world? Because, like, it was, uh, he wrote it, too, Bill Condon. Yeah, with this that was, cast, I, think, I, I think, think it would still be a Searchlight movie or the equivalent. Maybe. I think this was as controversial as they were willing to get. Yeah. 
Yeah. Like, it's racy, but it's not so racy that I couldn't watch it in school, <laughs> which I did. Totally. <laughs> Though I, I, I saw it, I think, with my grandfather, like, in on, like, whatever version. I don't, did we go to see? I don't remember if we went to see it or not, because he was a projectionist, so, like, he just went to the movies when he felt like it, but... Uh, tradition i continue sort of but no he um i remember the poster distinctly because it was let's talk about sex yeah like they really leaned into like no this is the horny sex guy as opposed to like no this is the guy about like sexuality is a spectrum we we don't need to talk about that just yet but we would all right now it gets interesting this one at least batman begins with a gray um I mean, the ba- Batman Begins is a better movie, but The Grey is a better Liam Neeson movie. That might be the best of the sort of geezer teaser era. Yeah. Well, because you also don't know what happens at the end. You get to decide if he wins. Yeah. One might argue you, think you be- could get the same result from having only watched the trailer, but I actually True. like the movie that comes before, thankfully. I mean, I like The Grey, but I, yes. I, I think I'd, one of the worst marketing campaigns of all time. I get why they did it, but man, what a miscalculation. Yeah, as cool as that image is of him with the the, the broken bottles. Oh, like, totally. Uh, like, I get it. Thing. It's a great image. It would be a great way to end your movie, but that's not what the movie is. It's not, yep. it's not Liam Neeson wolf fight. Um, no, it ends on Liam Neeson wolf fight. <laughs> but not even. <laughs> you don't even see yeah. the wolf fight. That's true. Um, I will say, uh, Batman Begins, but I don't feel strongly. They're about on par for me. All right. Fair enough. Taken or Clash of the Titans? Uh, did you say what you're doing for the last two? Um, Gangs of New York for, for the, the first one, but they're, they're close. I like Gangs of New York, so I thought that was somewhat obvious. Uh, for this one, I'll go gray, but I, I, I don't disagree with anything you said. I'm good. Yeah, and then this one, um, I'll I'll jump the line and say Taken because Taken is mediocre and Clash of the Titans sucks. He gets the line. That's about it. Uh, well, that's what I was about to say. Clash of the Titans is bad. It's really bad, but it has kind of aged in such a way where it's kind of memeable now. Whereas sure. Taken, even, even at the I, moment, I think feels exhausting in a way. Maybe it didn't at the time. But, yeah, well, but if you between the take two, it on Taken its own. is a better movie, so I'll go Taken. Yeah, yeah, Taken, no pun intended, on its own, is a competent, lean and mean, like just throwback action movie. You, it's like, like it's good enough that you understand why there were like fifty movies after trying yeah. to do the same thing, and why it was a massive hit. Yes, like people forget that movie was a surprise smash, and it was it was it was sort of because it was a dad movie. Like, I remember distinctly... Um, Back when the market uncle, wasn't overly saturated with dad movies. Yeah, I remember my uncle. My uncle works at the Museum of Natural History and saying that um, he... Because every once in a while, he would get to see some stuff early because he worked in the IMAX theater there. So, like, sometimes they would tech stuff at, like, a different IMAX theater and he would know. So, like, he saw, like, The Dark Knight, like, a couple days before it, it debuted. Um, like, the equivalent of going to, like, a press screening, but just a... I mean, you know what a tech is for theater. It's the same principle. They just, like, they'll run the movie once to make sure it doesn't, like, fall off the platter. So, like, if you know the projectionist, you go and you sit that way. Like, my grandfather saw, like, Raiders of the Lost Ark that way years ago. 
but um, I remember he, so people knew he liked movies, and I remember he said, like, I think it was a security guard or someone, someone he knew at the museum being like, oh, you have to see this movie Taken. I thought of you. He was like, why? He's like, because you, you're, you're quiet, but, like, I feel like you would do anything, like, if your kid gets, and that's the entire point of the movie. This guy, his kid gets taken, and he just kills everyone. Yeah. Like, I, I don't I don't really know why you think that about me, but like, all right. And you watch the movie and it is like a dad fantasy. Oh, totally. The most bare bones the, version of it. Yeah. Yeah. The only tinker you would make if you were a dad would be like, I don't know that my daughter's friend needs to die. But like, other than that. Yeah. And a lot of does, right? sort of bystanders along the way. Yeah. That part they don't care. About. There, there, there's a there's a whole lot of ends justifying the means going on. Sure. It. I do remember it also being like very matter of fact at the end where like it's like a sheik or something has her, right? Yeah, and he just that's, shoots that's him in the, the head and that's it. Yeah, he just shoots him and takes her and that's it. I love that they didn't be like, you don't need to have like a fight at the end. Just like shoot the guy and be like, I win. It is just designed as a dad fantasy. So it's kind of like perfectly crafted for what it is. Yeah. Um, and he could still like move at the time. Clash of the Titans has released the Kraken and that's it. Yeah. And poor, and, and some of the worst 3D ever made. True, but not really mm. something you can revisit. No, nor should you. Uh, Ponyo or the Lego movie? Uh, Ponyo was very much lesser Ghibli. Uh, the Lego movie is delightful, and he is really funny in it, so that. Agreed. Agreed on both counts. Uh, I'm also not the world's biggest Ghibli fan, and Miyazaki, it really does depend. Um, speaking as someone who has to decide if they're making time in their schedule for um, the boy and the heron, or whatever the hell it's called. The boy and Wait, that's what it's called now, right? creature man who is severely fucked up looking. Yeah, like, I, if, if that was, like, the entirety of the movie, it was just like, here's this fucked up thing that's hanging out with him, I'd be into it. But I know it's... I also don't know what it's more about. going on. I know, I know it's got the same kind of, like, uh, child has to grow up too fast vibe that he loves. And then there's something fantastical later on. So And also we'll some kind of World War II allegory. Oh, oh, his father, I think, in the movie makes planes or something like that. He loves World War II planes. Boom. Yeah. But Lego movie for me as well. Uh, Buster Scruggs or Widows? Um, He's kind of the weakest part of both movies. <laughs> yep. Uh, well, yeah, his, his, um, his sequence Buster in Buster Scruggs... Scruggs is definitely the worst one. That's the it's traveling. It's him like, and Harry Melling, right? and it's just kind of depressing and weird and off-putting. Yeah. And there's no upside to it. Um, yeah, you could lose that one. That's the one you could lose of the group. Yeah, and then Widows is a fantastic movie until you get to the plot twist with him at the end, and then it's kind of so much less than what came before. But I think yeah. overall Widows has more stuff that I like in it, so I'll go there. Agreed. I think the... I might say the high... The highest high of the lot might be in, in Buster Scruggs with the uh, with the Tim Blake Nelson sequence at the beginning. You're probably right there, but that's such a short part of the overall movie. Oh, it's so frustrating because you're like, oh, what? my God, this like, is going to be delightful. The Liam Neeson thing is like probably – it. I don't know if it is the longest, but it sure feels like the longest. Yes, and it's in the middle. Yeah. Like the, I, so that's well, the problem a, for me, the there's, two in the middle. Yeah, because there's the first two, which – like the Tim Blake Nelson is the obvious high point, which is a shame because it's the first. And then you get the James Franco one, which James Franco aside is also quite fun. But then you get yeah. the Liam Neeson one. It just grinds to a halt. And then is the then the one then's the gold one with um the Tom Waits uh, one which is pretty good Tom Waits one which is it's 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 good not but it's bad, not as it's, good as the first two and it's too close in like 
blander tone, for lack yeah. of a better description. So you're like, oh, wait, what movie are we watching now? And then it picks back up a little bit with the Zoe Kazan one, but that one's also, like, But that was also a downer. quite long, and it takes quite a... Like, that one should have come earlier on, I think, just because it's so involved plot-wise. Yeah, that one. That one's that one's a very long punchline. Well, and I, it, it's and one of those ones where there's almost too much build up to make the punchline worth it. Like I feel like that one needed some trimming. Yeah, and then it ends on a whimper. And then yeah, the ending one With is like I get that I get why that one makes sense for the ending one. Maybe second to last. I don't know. And I like Brendan Gleeson, even though he's wasted in it. I don't yeah. know. That one's a weird so, one, but it's interesting. Yeah, mixed it, bag. it's a very yeah. mixed bag, but it starts at its best. It's a shame that wasn't actually like a miniseries. Yeah. And they just all were. Or just a series like they of short all films. Been, they could have been a, like, I could have expanded them. They could have all been like a half hour. Yeah. I'd be you fine know, like, with that. Like a three hour movie. Even, not a three hour movie, but like just release them as, uh, you know, six uh, segments. Because then I think the, um, I don't think the Tim Blake Nelson will run out of steam. I would watch that one for a movie almost. Oh, totally. That's just. You would just you would run out of things to do. No, totally. As a creative it, person, it, it it plays best in a short dose for sure. I I think. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah. Between the two, I'll take the, you know, three fourths of a good movie that Widows is. But yeah. I agree that the Buster Scruggs uh, sequence on its own is the best thing represented here. Totally. It is. It is a shame that Widows has that. Like I was hiding in the garage. You're like, no, really? No, it just ruins the whole thing. <laughs> he just like strolls in, like it's almost it all. It almost is like it's. It, it literally he, feels like a worse movie has invaded somehow. Yeah, or like he he was like, I'm still on set, you know, so I'm just gonna walk onto the the filming, like just I'm in the movie again, guys. Figure it out. Alas, and then uh, it's funny the the meant to be hard one at the end is very easy for me. Schindler's List or Silence? How what? <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> yeah. I Ryan. There I know there's a segment of the community that is trying to like make silence this like underrated classic. Um I'm not there. No, I'm not there either. I I I get in very very broad terms what he's going for with silence, but I think you just need to have a different relationship with faith and religion in general to get anything out of that movie. So in a certain way, I'm never, ever going to be able to fully appreciate it. I think there's good things about it. I think Andrew Garfield and Adam Driver are mostly quite good in it. I don't know that Liam Neeson's especially good in it, but it's whatever. He's whatever. He's, he's, he's barely not, he's in bad. it. Um, yeah. And then the, so um, the, the other one is Schindler's the List. The yeah, villain is a fucking good classic. Also. Yeah, just, yeah. yeah. No, Schindler's List is, is perfect for what it is. Um, I will say the best performance in Silence is probably the... Um, um, I forget his name. The Inquisitor. Oh, is it um, the guy who's also in Thor and a bunch of other things? Um, I'm, I'm going to look up his name. He's Raiden in the in the Mortal Kombat recent one. Um, I think so. Tadanobu something. I don't want to mess his name up. Hold on. There's, there's, I think he's, yeah, there's, cause yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm thinking. He's the interpreter. Tadanobu right? Asano. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. The interpreter slash interrogator after he gets captured. Yeah, he's the he's the he's essentially the prick. Yeah, the he's, the, he's he's the Japanese one of the Warriors Three and Thor, but most yeah. importantly, he is the um, Joker-looking fucker from Ichi the Killer. Yes, he's he's actually in a lot of interesting stuff. He's he's really cool. So that, I, I I was disappointed with his mute take on Raiden, but generally speaking, I always like when he shows up in a thing. 
Totally. Um, Kieran Hines is in Silence. Like, it's a good cast, and, like, it's impeccably made. It's oh, yeah, it looks beautiful. Fuck. It's just, like, I don't care about this story. I remember watching it, and this was, like, an early screening. I think Scorsese was there at the end kind of thing. And I remember it's, like, two hours and 40 minutes long or something like that. Way too long. And I f- feel like 20 or 30 minutes, and I went, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Um, you know what this movie has in common? It's, there's, I'm going to make a comparison that no one's ever made, I think. But I think you'll understand. Silence is Scorsese's Bo is Afraid. It's just made for him. Yeah. And I we're can collateral see it. damage. I can see it. And you know what? Like we said with Bo is Afraid, good for you. We. we well, for and as honestly, much as Scorsese we, has kind of a bunch of those, like movies that he's needed to make for so long that the end, res- yeah. whether the end result is good or not, is almost irrelevant. It's the um, it's the man from La Mancha situation. Yeah, and and you know what? You're allowed to do that. You you have the cachet to do that. No one's uh, no one's stopping you. I think Silence maybe was like on the expensive side. To yeah, uh, but so is Gangs of New York, and so is Last Temptation of Christ. Every time he has a passion sure. project, it, it's usually a financial whiff. Yeah, well, I mean, Gangs of New York was meant to be a hit. It's well, I mean, yeah, but Silence and Last hit. Temptation, you got to be happy with whatever you get there. Oh, you know what? Silence was forty to fifty million dollar budget, so that's probably the only reason it got made. Was he? He probably. I think he also probably didn't get paid. Well, you know, the budget goes towards you know the exotic locations and you know the two to three expensive stars, and then they balance out the budget by the fact that nothing happens in it. Yeah, very much so. Um, but listen, he he can do it. No one no one says you can't. We listen. We hated Bo is Afraid. None of our criticism was that uh, Ari Aster shouldn't make the movie. It was, <laughs> understand, you made a movie just for you. Yeah. And uh, we didn't like it. And I almost feel like anyone who likes it is kind of like, it just is speaking to them in a way that it's just not going to speak to most people. Yeah. Which is still fine. Like, that's what makes the world go round for film. We just don't ever want to see that movie again. <laughs> oh, never, ever, ever. Oh, my God. I, I don't think I could ever do it. I don't. I no, no. I couldn't do it. All right, let's talk. Uh, let's talk Telluride and Venice. Venice for just for a second, because Venice actually. How do you feel about the um, the interim agreement stuff? Are you cool with it? <sighs> like it's one of those things where it's like it's technically permissible, but for me, it very much rides the line of like, is this sending a good message? Like when you have yeah, to look my, into the fine yeah. print to see who should be there and who shouldn't be. Is it not just better if maybe nobody's there? It's like what Viola Davis was saying when she put her film on hold that she's also producing. Just like, it it doesn't feel appropriate at this time. And that's like, I get that people want to push movies that maybe they're passionate about or that they're, you know, they help make or whatever. But like, I don't know. I just, to to try and force things to go on business as usual is not, when, when the industry is clearly on the precipice of massive change one way or another, it just, it, it doesn't feel like it's productive, for sure. Well, yeah, for me, um, I think the, again, goes back to a couple, I don't remember what episode it was, when we talked about how 
um, the waivers. Like, not yeah. all films are created equal. Like, I, I, I don't know. I have a, a slightly bad taste in my mouth from Ferrari being like, we have the agreement and the waiver. That yeah, I know. It's like, we're an indie up. film. It's like Michael Mann, 90, like massive stars. $90 million budget also. Yeah, I don't know about that one. Like, that's when it's like, you know, it's all well and good for Adam Driver and Penelope Cruz to show up. But who's like number 10 on the call sheet? Do they get to show up? No, because they're not yeah. a name. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, that that this is one of those ones where I would hope that if Adam Driver shows up. So, like, we, we have on the site, we reported on uh, Sunday night slash Monday morning, um, the weekend's news that there will be um, some stars. And I believe he might be the only one going. So you would hope that he's going to, like, bring it up of, like... Well, that's like you know. that for me would definitely make it better as if he used it as a platform to talk about things. But I kind of just feel like he's probably going to be there to just talk about Ferrari. Yeah, well, Ch- uh, Jessica Chastain is going. She's going for the um, uh, Michelle Franco movie Memory. She seems very likely oh, with Liam to be like. Yeah, right. Um, Caleb Landry Jones, Mads Mikkelsen. So. Yeah. They're um, supposed like like because Memory, Dogman, and The Promised Land are definitely indie films not produced by AMPTP members. Sure, sure. Ferrari is really kind of skirting that. Like I get it; it is an independent film, but they got ninety million dollars in independent money. Like you can, you can just also Michael Mann's a big enough name. Like yeah, he'll be there. Enough people want to see this movie that you don't need it. It's like I said when we were talking about the waivers. Like there's a difference between Ferrari. And the David Lowry movie and the Viola Davis movie, like things that like can get the money, right? And they're yeah. not necessarily um, the strictest of indie films, as opposed to like I don't even know. I, I assume it's still happening, but I remember one of the waivers was for I said the Kevin Smith movie he's shooting in the movie theater he owns. Like that's with young actors. Like that's that's a much different thing. That's almost like a self finance type situation. Like I understand that being like I want to be able to shoot this. It's not harming anyone there's no one important per se in it kind of thing yeah. as opposed to ferrari being like we want the waiver just to finish up and be able to go do our thing like really really you need that i don't know I, uh, yeah i i hope that the people who go at least mention support and stuff like that right. as opposed to keeping their head down at that point just don't go but uh, I guess we're going to see what happens with um, Telluride as well i don't think um, any of those films will be there necessarily i didn't cross-reference but i know i think of the movies that can get these that are part of the interim agreement or like have access to it because the thing was i believe it was um wg and sag said like yes please go right they encourage them to go if they have an interim agreement right for visibility or something like that so they're not saying don't go they're saying if you can, if we if we approved it you can go um so you might see like a um an ethan hawk go because he has wildcat the um it's his daughter is in it. I think. Yeah, is yeah. Is that Flannery O'Connor? I think she's playing, right? Yeah, something um, like that. So he could go and promote it. Um, there's a couple other people like that who. Um, oh, um, I'm sure. I don't know if the movie's going to be good. I think I see it at Toronto, but it might play it at Tip at Telluride. Is Daddyo? Do you know about Daddyo at all? I don't think so. Daddyo is um, a two-hander. I want to say. Maybe it's not just, but it's um, Christy Hall directed. It's Dakota Johnson and Sean Penn. Okay. She's like basically in an, in a cab going from the airport with him. So it's like I guess night on Earth, essentially. Okay. Um. So so hypothetically, Dakota Johnson and Sean Penn could go to uh, 
could go to the festival if they wanted. I don't know that they're gonna, but that's an example. I don't know. It it I have It I really have throws the whole dynamic off, doesn't it? A little bit. Like I don't I don't think they necessarily shouldn't go, but I really wish it was a little more like like it'd be different if there if we if the meetings were going on and there were rumors like oh they're close right yeah exactly and but then, like the actors like don't seem to have come back to the table since they started so like no At le- like even if the writers had been like we think we're close we're gonna have an agreement let's we're gonna move on to the direct the actors pretty soon I could see them maybe being like we would uh, we would allow you guys to go for your festival promotions maybe not like new releases but promote your festival stuff sure but we encourage you to mention you know support of this and you know x all y that and jazz. z yeah exactly so I, I don't know um in terms of telluride uh robert had a question for us he said if you had the power to award this year's telluride film festival silver medallions the three individuals who have never received one yet who would they be and why so every year um they give out these um prizes um, it's essentially their version of kind of like a lifetime achievement. They get a they get a, like a medallion, like a medal around their neck. It's kind of cool. Um, <clears throat> last year when I went, it was Sarah Polly, Kate Blanchett, and Mark Cousins. And uh, they gave Sarah Polly it before the uh, world premiere of Women Talking. And Frances McDormand came and and came out to give it to her and took like a um, she like knighted her essentially with like a plastic knife from like the the. Um, where you get your popcorn and stuff. Oh, that's fun. I thought that was very cool. Yeah, that was very much a Francis McDormand being like, what, what am I doing? This is weird. Oh, you know what? Here, I'll make it weirder. <clears throat> so she got it. Kate Blanchett got it for Tar. And uh, Mark Cousins, who is a um, Irish documentary director. So they, if you can kind of imagine actor, filmmaker, some sort of hyphenate, tends to be the, what they want to do. Sure. Um, the year before it was Riz Ahmed. Um, which I guess that would have been for his short. Maybe, right. yeah. Um, Jane Campion, Power of the Dog, and Peter Dinklage, uh, Cyrano. Hmm. And the year before, um, which didn't happen, <laughs> mind you, but they were giving Chloe Zhao for um, Nomadland, Anthony Hopkins for The Father, and Kate Winslet for Ammonite, so can't win them all. And then the year before, Adam Driver, Marriage Story, Renee Zellweger, Judy, and Philip Kaufman, the director, which did he have something that year? I feel like he must have, like a documentary or something. He didn't direct anything. Or produce something? I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe they just gave him one. All right. Well, we can use that as an excuse. All right. So um, I sent you the list just so you could uh, give it a once-over, because you guys can peruse it. It's on Wikipedia. It's everywhere. Um, they've been doing it since 1974. This year will be the 50th anniversary of the festival. Um, I We can crap, we, could, we can combine if you want, but I'll, I'll tell you one that I noticed that I didn't see that I want. And I, I mentioned him for everything, but and he's getting, I think, the honorary Oscar this year, but I'll do it anyway. Mel Brooks. Yeah, that would be a good one. No one can ever make the argument against giving Mel Brooks another award, and he has an Oscar. Well, there you have which it. I, which I love. Like, his Oscar speech is fantastic. Also, he won for the producers. He beat, like, the Battle of Algiers and, and like, Cassavetes. Like, it was a great lineup. Kind of loved it. Um, I would like that. I think... And he counts as, I think, a bunch of stuff. Sure. You know, so you don't necessarily burn anything there. Actor-wise, if we're going to go, like, 
an actor or an actress and then a filmmaker, it's hard to say. Because, you know, there's ones that I like, but, like, what necessarily means give it to them? If we're thinking of movies this year, I mean, the rumor I hear is that all three of the um, awards this year are going to be directors, and they're going to be international directors. Oh, interesting. As a way to get around all the problems. Though, um, if they didn't do international, I mean, the obvious one would be Scorsese, right? Sure. Of Killers of the Flower Moon, which probably not screening at Telluride. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Also, um, I think it's safe to say, and if if you don't hear what I say next, you'll know it wasn't, um, I will have seen that movie by then. So, not a problem either way. Well, there you go. Yeah. Miles, not annoyed in the slightest. Yeah. I mean, I it's, it's got to wait like an extra month. It's not that bad. That's true. It's not It's not as bad as if it was like coming out last week it's in not, It's not as bad like as that. if you were seeing Dune and I still can't see it till March. That's true. If it, oh that my God, I would if be it was still off. playing, if it was still playing Tiff, yeah, I would be. I would be pretty furious about that one. Yeah, especially considering I'm the one who's like, eh, you know, and and yeah, good, and like, you're like indifferent. <laughs> you're like, yeah, I like exactly. it more oh, no, than I'm I thought. Completely indifferent. <laughs> I listen. I admitted I was wrong about the first one, but I didn't like go um, full on in the other direction. Sure. Um, I'll say Scorsese. Yeah, I like Scorsese. I mean. If Dune was still coming out, I would have thrown um, Villeneuve. I think he could definitely. There's an argument to be made. Um, In terms of an actor, let's find one one actor. Um, What about... uh, Well, I mean, you could go one year late and go Brendan Fraser. Sure. I I mean, he didn't stop being a a great guy. Or Um, by the same token, like a Michelle Yeoh. Sure. Um, she got a thing last year. They did like a special screening of um, Everything Everywhere, and they gave her some kind of award, I think. Oh, okay. Like a special citation or whatever. Yeah, it was an A24 like promotional thing. I oh, think. sure, but, sure. But, I mean, who cares? Like, it, it's very hard to get mad at like, oh, we're going to give this person who's great an award. It's really a marketing tool. They all are. Yeah. Like, yeah. like listen, the what is, what's the um, film festival? Is it Santa Barbara or... Um, can't remember what it is it's in it's in california it's towards the end of the year and those like honors are very like awardsy and and portend oscar nominations and i remember it was a big deal a couple years ago that um um spencer um christian stewart got one right right that it's just marketing yeah it's like the hollywood walk of fame you you pay to get there like someone has to pay to get you on there it's 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 kind of an award you're giving to yourself yeah um trying to think of one more name i will say here 2005 was wild in their awards they gave it to mickey rooney mm. the darden brothers mm. charlotte rampling the criterion collection okay and janice films oh all right fair enough so i guess a24 gets the last one there you go there you go or neon let them fight over it yeah there you go um, like I'm it. trying to think what else. Um, I mean, we're going actors this year. You could do someone like a Killian Murphy or even like a Greta Lee. Um, mm. or some, Murphy would be Someone a good from one. Maestro. Yeah, Murphy would be awesome. You know what? By that token, Ryan Gosling. Sure. Sure. I mean, I, Barbie seems like the kind of thing that if they do acknowledge it, they would do so very begrudgingly. Yeah. I, yeah, I think, no, I think if the, anything, the biggest problem Barbie's going to have this whole season, and I'm sure I'm going to end up saying this a lot, is that no matter how phenomenal it is, and we all agree it's phenomenal, 
it's still going to have that stigma about it of coming across like a toy commercial. Even though we know that's not what it is, it's what it feels like it is. And I think that is going to hurt certain more stubborn people who would potentially vote on this kind of thing. Sure. Um, Yeah, anyone who thinks that he's going to win supporting actor is... uh, Adorable. I, I, like, I, I think a it. nomination is definitely possible, but a win would be a tall order. Yeah, I, it would be great. And listen, we, we we have seen things happen, right? We've seen oh, yeah. everything everywhere all at once take hold in a say, way that we didn't I was about to say, just last expect. year t- tells us that we shouldn't assume anything about anything. Oh, yeah. And, and the roller coaster of the of basically all what ended up being all four of the uh, categories last year, right? Yeah. So supporting actor kind of went how most people thought it was, but that was not a slam dunk until the precursors began, right? It was yeah. seen as he has the best story, like this would be a very easy win, it would make sense, but I was I was among the people who was like, I don't know about that. Like, he, it, it, it could easily get lost also. Doesn't mean it should, but that was, a, that was a performance that easily could have not even gotten nominated. Right. Because there's just other ways, there are so many ways to go with that film, how well was it gonna do? What happens with uh, the Fablemans actors? What happens with um, Banshees and all that? Turns out they found room for everyone and they just gave every prize to to everything ever all at once, which nobody had a problem with. But the other three were were deadlocks almost. In way. I mean, supporting actress was a coin flip. Yeah, um, up until the actress, end almost. Yeah, actress probably wasn't super close but they it went back and forth close, all year to the season yeah yeah and because Kate Blanchett also won most of the prizes even though she spent most of the time being like no give it to her like don't worry about me and and the flip-flopping of best actor yep that whole season you know how how, how long do people go like oh we can't uh, Brendan Fraser can't win that movie's divisive while also being like but we don't like Elvis like it, at a certain point something does win and as baity as the the premise of the whale is and like you know having we seen the movie that is still a weird movie right it's still a when you think about it kind of a tall ask of an audience member yeah i mean it's the kind of super sad movie that did used to get a lot more consistent oscar play but as a trend we've noticed especially with winners um is that they don't necessarily go for the more downer stuff as much as they used to or if they no, do they go for the they'll give it like craft or acting awards as opposed to like bigger prizes and that's what we saw last year missed out on picture it was probably number 11 but they give it the makeup oscar and they give it the acting oscar exactly against against the the real life person which is kind of their trend again so you never know i think gosling get has to get in Obviously, uh, Robert Downey Jr. It's basically his to lose right he, now. He feels like he's got like the narrative locked and loaded until we see something that shows otherwise. But that and is whatever a category that out of all the acting categories, supporting actor, I feel like is the one that more consistently than any other feels like it gets locked up pretty early on. So I think precursors would tell us a lot there. But right now, he's he's in the best position. Yeah, and also. If it comes down to them, and it could. Like, listen, nobody would be happier than me if that was the race. It, it's just not a fair fight. Yeah. You have you have essentially, I don't know that you would say that either one is not due or due. They're both in that middle ground, right? They have a couple nominations. They've been in, in big things. They're, they're massive stars. They have good taste. Like, they're well-liked in Hollywood. But Robert Andrew does have that story, right? And 
as much as you don't want to say this, because you would hope that this is what he'll focus on doing, you don't necessarily know what he's going to do next. He doesn't have to work anymore. Like, he, he's... He only has to act when he feels like it. Yeah, like he, he's he could go back to Doolittle type stuff for all we know after this. I don't think he I mean, will, he, but he could. No. He could he could show up as Iron Man again if he feels like it. Like he's not going to, I don't think. I think he's kind of been can like, we not, I went out on a can high. Can we not talk about that? That sounds too depressing to me to even think about yeah, right now. Because <laughs> you know it's a conversation every every like every year couple or so years there. somebody's they're having that conversation for sure. No, but he he can be as selective as he wants or make whatever he wants or just produce or just work on in documentaries. So there is maybe that like this could be the one time to like give him something in a movie we want to honor kind of thing. Whereas Gosling and Barbie would be him kind of like dragging the film across the finish line in terms of that win. What well, it would already listen. have that same vibe about it as like Downey himself in Tropic Thunder or Melissa McCarthy exactly. in Bridesmaids. It's that comedy nomination where it's like it's awesome that it's there, but it's delusional to think that it's a winning. Like Fish Called Wanda and My Cousin Vinny are very much rare examples for a reason. Yeah, let's see what happens. Like it, I, if that's the race, let's see what happens with like SAG and stuff like that. Totally. And. and you know the 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 big critics groups and and if they coalesce because I obviously I would guess that the critics groups won't go for either. You know they'll they'll go in in some other directions. So you never know. Listen, I want that to happen though. So we will see. Okay. In terms of um, since we're talking about Tell You Right now, um, Jules E T Oscar nineteen seventy five asked us on Twitter going into the festival. What do you think is the front runner for best picture, and what possible Telluride film is most likely to enter the mix? So we'll use that as an opportunity to talk about the Telluride potential lineup, right? So um, we all have our resources or, or buzz. I, I'm combining what I've heard that I can't confirm from publicists, so I won't say anything as a sure thing. Um, some things from other sources and um, the uh, Michael Patterson, the Michael's Telluride film uh, site, is a, is a good resource. So I'll, I'll read you his um, his top twenty five quickly, okay. and uh, they're in order any... of likelihood. Okay, so this is most so the... likely to least likely. Yes. So here I'll go. I'll go twenty five. I'll go from twenty five. Okay. Um, a lot of these are smaller productions because you never sure you never can quite tell what's going to fill out. Yeah. The lineup. So you got the Settlers, uh, La Camara, The Taste of Things. They shot the piano player, Occupied City, the like five-hour Steve McQueen documentary. Okay. Um, which I think was always kind of meant to maybe pair with um, his um, World War Two movie, Blitz. I think it was called, but sure. that's coming out next year. That's a that's a can movie, I think. Uh, Daddio, which we just mentioned, the. Here's one that I think is a little more likely than than he does, but we'll see. The Bike Riders, the Jeff Nichols movie. Oh, I'm very interested to see more about that one. Yeah, because otherwise, if it's coming, and I've heard it's coming out this year, so unless I that's think it's changed, still slated for December. Yeah. Yeah, it would go nowhere, and that doesn't seem because it's an A24 movie, right? I want to say so, but with that cast as well, like that's something they're going to really want to capitalize on. Well, they can't at the moment. They can't but... at the moment, but they want to be able. Oh, it's. To. Well, this complicates things. It's a 20th Century Studios film. Ah. It's a Disney movie. So I don't know what to make of that now. I mean, good on Jeff Nichols. I would say... So here, Wikipedia uh, listed as a Telluride debut. I think that's a guess by someone. But uh, I think it's much more likely than not. Okay. I'm also curious. I also hope it plays because I would like to see it. 
Um, other things we have the pigeon tunnel orlando my political biography the promised land janet planet 14 is alcande which i think is very likely actually which one that is that seems like one that's the netflix um pablo rain vampire oh alcande yeah okay I, yeah i misheard yeah 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 perfect days the vim vendors movie fallen leaves all of us strangers which is uh, andrew high um i think that's going to new york also but I think I, the I designation, something like that. I think the New York designation was um, New York premiere or something like that. It was something that led to be believed that that will be a um, premiere there, but we don't know for sure. That is um, apparently a remake, a second ad. Oh, it's an ad- adaptation of a Japanese novel. Listen, it's. Seems like a weird-ass movie, so I'm in. Cool. Uh, what else is likely? Now we're into the top ten. Fingernails. Wild oh, Cat. I heard about Fingernails recently. That's an intriguing one. I don't remember what that one is. You want to you wanna illuminate people? I know Jeremy Allen White's in it. Oh, I didn't have it in front of me. Hold on. Ah, I know Fingernails. I, 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 I was reading it came about because Kate Blanchett saw the director's previous film and was like, I will pay for you to, like get this one out there and I will like finance your next movie and so this was the yeah, next yeah, she, movie he had ready to go yeah she does she does produce it here I, Just, okay yeah yeah, yeah Jesse Buckley uh, Jeremy Allen uh, Annie Murphy uh, Luke Wilson Riz Ahmed that's it yep um, Carrie Mulligan was supposed to be in it and then I guess she dropped out one imagines that she and Jesse Buckley are often up for a lot of similar roles totally uh, the premise is a woman begins working in an institute that works to determine if the romance in a given couple is genuine. So that's interesting. Well, with that cast, uh, very much so. Yeah, so that's on my radar, which actually means I have to look to see what happens with Toronto with that. Uh, Wildcat, which is the Ethan Hawke, um, Flannery O'Connor biopic starring his daughter, which sounds dry, but also I'm interested. Uh, Kitty Green's The Royal Hotel. She made um, The Assistant a couple of years ago. Sure. Rustin, which just got a trailer today as we recorded. I saw that. I haven't watched it yet, but I love me some Coleman Domingo. Yeah, Coleman Domingo, Chris Rock, Lynn Terman, uh, Divine Joy Randolph. I think... Um, I want to say Jeffrey Wright, <clears throat> maybe? Jeffrey Wright has a small role. I think Bill Irwin has a small role. Very well, very, like, character actor-centric. Nice. Uh, George C. Wolfe, who did um, the uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. I was about to say, yeah. Yeah. And I think Dustin Lance Black co-wrote the script. Interesting. So, has a pedigree. I think that's probably um, close to a lock. With the, these last movies, I would be shocked if they're not there. Yeah. Uh, Nyad, also a Netflix movie. That also feels like Annette Benning could get an award if she, actually she can't because she's an actress. But like that would have been perfect. Yeah. Um, Annette, Annette Benning, Jodie Foster, feel good kind of like biopic, inspirational true story kind of thing. Yeah. From the directors of. Um, the um, last two documentaries that were big deals. Um, I'm spacing on the name. They did um, The Rescue last year or two years ago. And then the previous that they won the Oscar for Free Solo. There we go. Oh, there. yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, sure. This is their um, narrative debut. Yes, yes. Then we have Anatomy of a Fall. Yes. 
definitely going to be there, I would say. Also, it's going to uh, New York and Toronto, so I'm going to see it. Um, actually, depending on my Toronto schedule, it could be my first movie. Oh. But I think I'll, assuming it goes to Telluride, I will try to make time because it is long. Which means that the number four on Michael's list will be my first movie at TIFF, most likely. And boy, will that be a way to kick off the festival, the zone of interest. <laughs> Wake up uh, bright and early, bushy-tailed in Canada to go watch some downer Holocaust movie. Um, apparently amazing, out of can. That's the one that I, I, I just, I don't know what I'm going to feel about that one. Yeah, it's so it's so tough. Like it's like, and yeah. I love the director's other movies. Like I'm very interested sure. to see what the take is, and apparently it's amazing. But like, like I know I, I'm not going to be able to convince Kelly to see it, and I don't blame her. And like I'm going in with massive trepidation. But like I need a trailer or something. I need I need to get a sense of the vibe. Exactly. Just reading some of the takes out of out of Can, I was like, I this sounds like I'm going to hate it. Yeah, and exactly. not because it won't be well made. Just like I don't want to watch. Like this, like I'm def- passive. I've, like, I've definitely like hit my limit on Holocaust movies like quite a while ago. Well, I have that also thing where like why is and like I don't really want to get into like the the like people being offended by things because I for the no, most part you should be able to tell one of a story. It's emotionally exhausting to watch too many movies like that. Yeah, but why? I I do kind of wonder like why that particular subject matter is never seen as like well there's there's an, there's enough like you know with with um other problems in our history right yeah whether it's um civil rights slavery so many of the things where we've seen a lot of different takes and there have been the the ultra violent the more artistic like at a certain point you start to get that like well haven't we told enough why do we have to depict the suffering and yeah. we don't seem to be there yet with with this one and I, I, I do wonder if I'm going to hit my limit with this one because it's not going to be, like, in your face. Just the, like, the background horror of, like, oh, his kids are playing around. And, oh, in the background is the the smoke. Oh, they're burning people. Like, that just may be too much. I don't know. Or it could be amazing. We'll find out. Number three. I know there's so little about this movie to know, but I'm so in is Saltburn. I think that's almost certainly playing because I don't think it's going yeah. anywhere else except... Uh, London and London is not the world premiere, so figure that one out. But uh, Emerald Fennel, after um, promising a woman, she could have made the zone of interest, and I'd be in. So I'm in. Also, that cast is pretty fucking good. Yeah, and I think it's supposed to be like similarly toned, even though it has that like talented Mr. Ripley comparison being made. Yeah, well, I think it's, it's got meant that to look be... to it as well. Yeah, I think it's going to be more of a. Not tongue-in-cheek necessarily, but her personality as opposed to the... I find a talented Mr. Ripley a little dry. I know it's not for most, but it is a mood piece more than anything else. Well, but then, so to me, that looks like like a Mr. Ripley-style story, but through Emerald Fennel's sort of prism, or very much like, you know, Knives Out as Agatha Christie through Ryan Johnson prism, that kind of thing. Exactly. You do that, you have me. Um, then we have Poor Things... Uh, oh, I want it. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it's playing just in competi- in the lineup in New York, which was interesting. I don't know if that means anything. Maybe it just didn't have a spot for something. But uh, if it's playing, that's a high priority. And then um, the most likely one, because it's Alexander Payne, is the holdovers. Sure. And we will see. That one, the trailer, I thought looked better than I thought it was going to, but not in a way that made me go, oh, I got to see this movie. Just I, I'm glad it wasn't like 
super serious. I don't know. I, Alexander Payne makes a specific type of film. And uh, last time out, it did not work with um, uh, downsizing in the slightest. But as a general rule, I, I find most of his stuff solid. I don't love Sideways as much as everyone else. That's and, funny because um, that's Citizen, probably the only one I like. This is true. I know. And like Citizen Ruth, I think, is is fine. Um, Nebraska, I like for Bruce Dern as much as anything else. But I do like Election a lot, and I like About Schmidt a lot. And I did like A Descendants a lot the first time, but I don't think I've seen it since then. I don't know how that would play. So we'll see. Maybe this will get me to, to revisit some stuff. So there's there's other things that could play, but I would say those are the most likely ones. Yeah, I agree with give, all that. Yeah, give or take what you think about um, a surprise uh, Killers of the Flower Moon or anything like that. Yeah. So, interesting festival. We will see. Um, I have an extra day there than last year. I think I saw seven things last year. So, we'll see how much more I can see um, this time around without going crazy. Last year, it was, uh, day one was women talking and Bardo. (laughs) And my night with three hours of Bardo was a a big ask. Yeah. I didn't didn't hate the movie, but it it was a big ask. I and saw then that my, movie um, in the morning, and it was still a big ask. Exactly. Uh, and then the uh, my other... I only had two days' worth of movie-ing. So my other day was five a five-movie day, which kicked off at Armageddon time. Not the perfect movie for the morning, but I, I, I like that movie. But it is a... That maybe isn't like a 9 a.m. type thing. Then I saw... What was my second movie? Oh, Empire of Light. Mm-hmm. Which I really enjoyed before everyone decided they hated that movie. No, I know. I that think movie, you and I were like in the minority of like, it's not that bad. It's well made. No, it's it, it's often delightful and has yeah. that has a very strange subplot that we don't necessarily need. But like, when it's when it's hitting on all cylinders, it's great. Yeah, like more. I think people just wanted a, an entire movie about that movie theater, and that's like and, two scenes. Yeah, admittedly, the two best scenes in the movie. Totally. But and and two great performances. Yes. And actually, Toby Jones is very good. He doesn't yeah, yeah. in in those two scenes that we love. Uh, but yeah, that that movie, I think people came out of out of Telluride because that was a world premiere. Going, oh, I think it's an Oscar movie, and then very quickly, uh, Toronto went hold my beer. Went, yeah. so well, and honestly, I think he released that same movie even a decade ago or whenever, and I think it plays a lot better. Yeah, that movie definitely got greenlit because of Belfast. Yeah. And um, just the second one doesn't always. Second one over the wall gets shot a lot, um, but it had the same kind of even press release, right? Like it's a personal romantic tinged movie about this, like because Belfast for the longest time sounded like it was like a like very dry, like whatever, like oh Kenneth Brown was making a movie, like why are they making such a big deal about it? Turns out they'd read the script, and then we all saw it and went oh delightful. My third movie then was After Sun. I was planning on going back and like writing. And I think Ryan actually, I was sitting with, was like, no, stay and watch watch this one. It, uh, I think the only thing I knew was like, it was very well regarded out of uh, Cannes. And I thought it was all right. I was on the lower end of After Sun. I don't think you ever got to it, right? I didn't, but I've heard about some of the stuff in it and I'm like, nah, I think it would just bum me out. It's a bummer, but not in a, not, it's not an overt bummer. It's like a low key bummer, if that makes sense. The bum comes later. 
cool. It was well made, and like he's very good, the girl's very good. It was and it's short, so like it fit in well. It was just minor key movie to watch at that time. I'm glad I saw it because when else would I have gotten around to it until it was like knee deep in the best actor buzz? And I don't know that that would have done it a favor either. Yeah. So it was kind of more like a oh cool that little movie's getting getting a leg up, and also. You know, Tom Cruise not promoting Top Gun and Adam Sandler still being Adam Sandler. Otherwise, one of those two guys probably gets in, gets in anyway. Yeah. Or I guess if Mike Paul Dano goes lead or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> too too long ago. Don't remember. And then it was Tar. Which. Yeah. I mean, a, a lot of movie. And a lot, a lot of movie of for movie. your fourth movie. Uh, and that was also, I had to. I don't remember if I got to go anywhere before that. Had to run from Tar to go to um, a Sony dinner thing because I needed to eat something. And then run back for um, Bones and all. Ah. So, first of all, I, I, I have never had more of a, like, it's not the movie's fault mild annoyance than when Tar started with the credits. Yeah. And I went, fuck, I can't leave during the credits. Uh, and then Bones and all just, I was done by that time. Because that movie should be my my jam. But also, I think um, he's not my filmmaker. No, and I think that's been shown time and again. Yeah, even though I I am interested in Challengers. Yeah, I think it looks good. It also looks the least like one of his movies so far. That's fair. So we'll see see what that means. Um, So the the other part of that question was uh, going into the festival, the front runner for Best Picture. I guess it's got to be Oppenheimer, right? Oppenheimer feels like the most Oscar-friendly thing that's come out so far this year. I know a lot of people are trying to push Killers of the Flower Moon, and I'm not saying that's not... Too, too bleak. Uh, yeah, it's like, it's like I think that one's going to suffer the long, bleak sort of drought that we've had far more. Because Oppenheimer's yeah. long, but it's entertaining throughout. Like, it's yeah. it, it doesn't feel dry in its subject matter. And I, I haven't seen Flower Moon yet, but, like, I don't know. I just... I look at the last few movies Scorsese put out in terms of, like, nominations versus wins, and, like, I think it'll yeah. get a ton of nominations, but I think looking at it as the front runner for anything right now is probably a bit optimistic. No, I think, I think it has the um, power of the dog vibe. Yeah, where exactly. Could, I mean, the, the problem that Scorsese will have is that... Um, Nolan's right there. Well, and that's the thing. Nolan still has very much a sense of being due, and this is by far the most Oscar-friendly movie he's ever made. So, like, when are they going to get a better shot? And, like, they've given it to Scorsese. They've given it to some of these other people. Like, I don't know. I just think Nolan's going to be the only one that has that urgency about him, and it's a movie that's so easy to reward. I don't think it's necessarily going to sweep, but based on what we know of the race right now, it's hard for me to put anything above it. Yeah. Also, um, the tech categories don't longer have Dune. Well, so. that's the other thing. It's going to get a technical sweep now that Dune might have otherwise prevented, and that can yeah, Oppenheimer is going to win visual it. effects now somehow. Yeah. Well, because I think it was. Um, I don't remember if we've talked about this statistic, but the idea of in the visual effects, like if there's a best picture nominee in there, they automatically get the advantage. But if yeah. not, then it's kind of more of Wild West. But um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think if Oppenheimer gets in, then it does have a very good shot to win. Which, I, I think that's a kind of fun, like, outside the box yeah. kind of... I mean, it's pra- there are practical visual effects there. Yeah, no, but it's a, that's the kind of thing. It's like when Kubo was nominated, it's like, that's a cool thing to recognize. 
Exactly. Um, I think uh, I think Oppenheimer. Though I still have Air at number one because I think in terms of like what's the the friendliest to Oscar type of movie, it's that. I think if Air came out in like October November, I would be feeling that way. I just yeah. It's it's one of those ones where it's just going to depend on the competition in terms of how much legs that movie has. And I think also the meme of there being a million like corporate biopic movies out this year it wasn't as played out when air came out as it is now and so i worry that it may get lumped in with a lot of those even though it's by far the best of the bunch that's very possible and in fact i would say probable but i'm i'm holding out in the sense of i think once i think quality wise it should definitely yeah be you know kept in people's mind i still think it's gonna get nominated I think so, but I think yeah, I I would be very conservative with my with my exactly. estimates for its uh, I'm going to, potential. I'm going to probably remove it from number one once I'm done with Telluride, and if not TIFF, but I just I I don't have a strong enough feeling. Like I like I think Killers of the Flower Moon is too dark. I think Barbie is is Barbie, unfortunately. Even though I would be thrilled, like what a what a wonderful winner. Oh, totally. And I think Oppenheimer Oppenheimer oddly is more of a downer than they normally would go for. But, but not as much as like a flower moon. Yeah, I think I think it's downer in the sense of like we need to like treat the planet better kind of thing. We'll play better than um, you know people are awful. And it'll have be able to make that argument of being like an important movie and whatever. Exactly. I just want to see I want to see like Saltburn and and the holdovers and poor things and all these and dumb money and all these things that like. Are they probably number ones? No, but I want to see what the field looks like. Well, and then that's I'll have just a it. Sense. I want I want to know what like the three through nine looks like. Well, also it'll help me with director, because I think I think Air, you you really want this to get Affleck in the director just to like check that box, and the more things that make a case for director, the harder that'll be, and I think that would also hurt him in picture. Yeah, also, I don't know. Um, it's hard for me to feel like this is the one if he's gonna miss for Argo. That's true. But I also think it's easy. This is one of those things where whatever amount of platform we have, Mm -hmm. like, if you don't want him to miss, you'll leave it in a little longer. Sure. Especially now that people are paying attention. Because up until now, it's been pretty much inside baseball. But I think now, especially this week and going into the next, like, two or three weeks, people are going to start looking at your predictions. So I may even leave it there just... As much as people be like, well, why do you have that? That doesn't seem right. But it might also generate some like thought of like, oh, really? Is that kind of thing? Because I, I think like if if you thought about like what came out that you would put good odds on on being a Best Picture nominee, I think there's probably three to four movies, right? Yeah. Oppenheimer, Barbie, Air, and um, Past Lives, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then – Outside of Oppenheimer, you could probably make the case the other ones have paths in which they'd miss. I don't think Oppenheimer misses now. I, I would be um, stunned if Oppenheimer. It may. It's it's gonna top out at almost a billion. Like the idea that it could miss exactly. would be ludicrous. Barbie would be. You think it wouldn't miss because of the billion I th- and the pop cultureness of it all? But yeah, Barbie's just know. such a tough one because of what it is. I think based on quality, it should be a slam dunk. Yeah. and. If more things get pushed back, I think its odds definitely go up. Exactly. The more the more we see Dune and, and whatever movie decide they're not going to stay, 
Barbie gets more and more likely, and then it becomes a prestige movie. Exactly. Like, if they were thinking, like... If they push it they... as a Greta Gerwig movie rather than as the Barbie of it all, I think that'll help. Yeah. Also, like, no matter what, like, shouldn't they be figuring out a way to have that, that women monologue speech be at the Oscars as some kind of thing talking about the actresses of the year? Sure, sure. Like... You know, and that's also like a perfect like they also should put that scene online as like a good sales pitch of like, no, this is the movie we made. That said, they have put on the behind the scenes of the I'm Just Ken sequence online, so they may be pushing a slightly different campaign. At the moment they are. It's too early for for Oscars. I think at some point Totally, they but will they start want you to that. remember that song. <laughs> Oh, yeah, and they should. And, and, I mean, which is funny because I remember him doing... And again, uh, I think we talked about this before, but it's entirely possible Gosling gets two nominations and walks away with song of all things. I'd be in. I love it. I, I would be Even so though on I, th- I almost think his better performance is singing um, the the Blink-182 song at... A uh, Matchbox 20 song at her. I mean, that's pretty <laughs> Can I sing? <laughs> can I sing this at you for four hours? Um, it's on the um, expanded soundtrack. Yeah. That's the only... <laughs> I didn't, because I only had the regular one for a little bit, and then I realized, oh, wait, I can listen to him sing that song. And you can just hear the, like, like just doofy uh, commitment to the to the song. It's great. Love it. Um, but, yeah, we'll see. The more things get delayed, the better it looks for, for Barbie and Air and Past Lives. Yep. Past Lives, I mean, pa- Past people think Lives, that I think there's always a slot for the quieter kind of movie, especially one with the sort of set pseudo international focus. Totally. So I feel like it depends that on just, how many. It depends on the competition, others. but I think it has the fact that it's built up kind of unopposed, that kind of profile for the first half of the year gives it a lot of legs. Yep. It, 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 it's in a better position than other movies that haven't come out yet. But exactly. We'll see what happens. Um, Kayfly208 asks us, with more films starting to move to 2024, sorry, Dune, um, do you think Oscar nominations can mimic the 2021 Oscars and go with more indie and mid-budget films, or will nominations be more larger scale and populous? I don't know there are any other large movies of that ilk. Yeah, I want to say Dune see. was the last big one like that that we were potentially looking at. Yeah, so you're going to get I think what we just talked about, Oppenheimer and Barbie representing like massive cinema. But I general. but I think to that question and to what we were just talking about, with you know, fewer prestige thin films sort of being presented as options, the ability for a populist thing like a Barbie, which quality wise should be there, but in terms of branding or whatever, like potentially has a problem if there's fewer things for it to compete with. So in in a funny way, it could almost end up being a thing where even something like Across the Spider-Verse is maybe in the conversation just because there's so little else to compete. I don't think it'll get to that point necessarily, but it really just depends on what gets pushed and what stays. Because like, for example, Maestro came out with its trailer a week or two ago, so that seems very committed to staying. A couple of other things yep. as well. So it just, we'll see. Yeah, Maestro, I think, is... Um well, we're gonna. It'll, it's gonna screen in a couple of days. It's not. I don't think it's going anywhere else. It would not. Uh, it's going to New York, so it's not going to Telluride. So that that one I think is in a very safe like just be good, and you have a slot. Yeah, situation. poor things. I want to say because they already pushed it, they're probably not going to push it again. No, um, but I think I think more than likely, it'll be a mix because yeah, so much of this will be about the studio side trying to say everything's cool once this all gets resolved so to then have the 
Oscars, let's say for some reason, like Barbie didn't get in, right? Or maybe like if Oppenheimer is the only like financially solvent one of the lot. Sure. That's maybe not the narrative they want to push. Yeah, exactly. So they want at least a couple of the billion dollar movies. Like, look, we had we had huge star driven cinema and we had this movie and we had that. They want they want the mix. They want they want a nice uh, combination. Also, with 10 films, you get a mix. Well, not only that from last year, too, because you had stuff like Top Gun and Avatar and even everything everywhere. It was a pretty decent box office hit. So like. And and the ratings did see a bit of a bump, and I think there was generally a bit more discourse and a bit more interest in this ceremony because there's just generally more interest in the films themselves. So I think that's definitely something that they'll potentially want to replicate by allowing for more oh, yeah. populous films to get in. Oh, if 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 Barbie didn't get in, they're they're shooting themselves in the foot completely in completely. so many ways. So we'll we'll see. Um, I think what you'll see continuing to be a trend and I don't know if these are the films necessarily but the international cinema I know people like to say there's a slot in director there's not necessarily it's just how it's worked out but I think if you look at the um, the two can movies um, Anatomy of a Fall and Zone of Interest they're they're not foreign films by definition but they're international cinema right they, sure. they kind of pull from a lot of strands in a way that as much as All Quiet and Western Front was an international production like that's very friendly to an american audience right yeah well of, for what it's a, it's is, a big yeah. war movie like it's not um it doesn't feel like hard cinema if you look at the uh, drive my car being the exception right and that was just it hit at the perfect time had a grassroots campaign got the number one votes right probably had the least amount of votes of the lot but had the number one so if you go by that yeah. math the international things they get in tend to be closer to crossover right or at least um have a very dynamic uh, filmmaking style that you, even if you're not a big subtitle person, right, you can get behind. That's yeah. that's sort of the secret sauce to getting in right now. And, and Anatomy of a Fall, listen, that trailer made it, made you think it's a movie in English. Yeah. So if that's, uh, if that's as good as uh, suggested, and I believe it probably is, we'll know soon, I can see that easily getting in. That's I've left it low on my list just because I want to have the big because so many of the things in like the 10 to 15, 10 to 20 realm are just the expected things. But until we see Rustin and Nyad and the holdovers and, you know, uh, the color purple and all these things, I, who knows? They could easily be also rands. They could easily be juggernauts. You just don't know. And between the, now and their release, they could still easily be pushed. Exactly. So it's it's even harder to make any strong statements. So time will tell. Let's uh, let's wrap up with uh, Samuel's uh, Instagram questions. We got a couple this time. Uh, he said, after listening to you discuss the recent Oscar editing winners on the podcast, I thought it would be interesting for you to either do categories like cinematography or original score. <laughs> Go figure. We've done we've done. Uh, what was the last one I just did? I just did. Editing. Editing was the category I just did. So we can do um, cinematography or score if you'd like. Sure. Do you want to pull that up like you did last year, last week? Or do you want me to do it? Uh, you pull up one, I'll pull up the other. Okay, I'll do score then. Okay, I got the cinematography one. And we'll go back 20 years or something like that. All right, so cinematography last year was uh, All Quiet on the Western Front. And as you remember, it was a mess of a category. Well, it was a mess in terms of the nominees. There were so many expected yeah. ones that lost out. It was so weird. I still think, honestly, you put a gun to my head, I go Empire of Light of that lineup. 
Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with that. And I don't even They're hate all good. Paul Quiet as the winner. Like, it looks as good as the rest of them on there, but it's just a weird bunch in, in a year that had so many great candidates. Totally. Uh, yeah, the we could easily do five that were not on that list and be yeah. much happier. Uh, the year before that was Dune. That was a well. Here, Dune, do you want to? Uh, if we're going to do dog. score and cinematography, do you want to kind of go back and forth as we go through the years? Even better, let's do that. So, well, and also it's relevant because All Quiet on the Western Front wins for score as well. Yeah, I think I was on the uh, Babylon bandwagon there. I was too, and, and you know, I had my problems with Babylon, but I still maintain that that was the best score of last year and deserved to win for that alone. All for Quiet sure. is just such a bizarre one to me like i get it but also like 90 percent of that score is three notes you know what i mean <laughs> it's they, like they do they do like that if you can do the simple thing very well yeah it's the jaws they seem to be into it all i get it but it's totally. just it's it's still it's one of those ones where it feels more like it got swept up in the tech sweep more it so got, because that specific win makes a ton of sense it got swept up at the same time that it became like cool the shit on Babylon. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so that was a combination there. So as I was saying, Dune won the year prior. That was a Dune power the dog fight for the almost the entire season. Although Dune did have a similar sort of tech sweep, and it won score as well, and I think deserving exactly. in both cases. Um, yeah. I think that was also a Dune power the dog fight. Yeah. It's interesting because we're, we're each working without the other one's list, so a little memory check going on. Yeah. Um, the year prior to that was a surprise. Nomadland got upset by Mank. Because Nomadland was the was the very clear frontrunner, I think, going in. Also, I just oh, kind of like deferred to that. That's yeah, right. Mank won the uh, cinematography Oscar. That's right, that's right. Uh, I mean, that yeah, makes which, more sense to me, but they yeah. were going Nomad... Or it seemed like Nomadland was trending ahead, which... Yeah. Which also Nomadland did very well. So I yeah. kind of like the the mix it up a little bit. Give it to it was a choice between new two newer cinematographers, right? Um, I don't know if the Nomadland thing with the, the Joshua James Richards essentially um, I believe he's Chloe Zhao's partner. Like did she shoot it? But she just wasn't credited. Nonsense that you see pop up sometimes. Sure. Um, I think the like would be like smear campaigns these days just aren't good anymore because they don't know how to do them yeah so it's kind of funny um and mank looks great it does it really does like especially with such a limited roster that year i it's hard to argue with totally and uh for score uh the winner was soul which uh from memory was probably the pretty easy front runner yeah um they did. They did Mank also that year, right? Weren't they double nominated? Yeah, they were. Uh, well, uh, jo- John Batiste was uh, also nominated with Soul, so he won with that. Yeah, I think I, I think I preferred the Mank score, but I liked the third person getting the award. Like, why not? Yeah, right. Uh, so it was impossible to get upset about that. All right. Year prior to that was Deacons winning for 1917. I mean, I, I... I, I'm never going to be upset about Deacons. Yeah, I think it's maybe, you know, like after so many losses for him to get like the one-two punch with Blade Runner in uh, 1917, that's, and both are like, neither one is a gimme award. Like both are really significant cinematography achievements. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of have that it's a gimmick situation with it 1917. It may be a gimmick, but it's, well it's not gimmick. an easy gimmick to pull off. No. I think you know what poisoned the well, and we're gonna talk about this in a minute. It was the it was Chifo winning three in a row, 
made this like I don't want to see the same guy win again. Yeah. Even well, though yeah. I want Deacons to have like five Oscars, it's fine. No, it's wild that he doesn't. <laughs> yeah, and then like you know, if you look at the competition, Rodrigo Prieto for The Irishman. It was good cinematography, but I don't know that you necessarily were going to give it the win, especially since so much of that achievement is working with the different cameras and 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 the the problems that could easily be there that were that were uh, not there by skill. Um, you had two also rands in, in Joker and the Lighthouse. One very cool that it's there, and the other was Joker. Yep. Even though like Lauren Shear has made like a lot of smaller films and like he shot garden state like i I like that that kind of guy gets nominated because when is he getting nominated sure but um but swept in with a film that exactly and then the other one who i guess all things being equal was my pick was robert richardson but he has three already well that's just it a lot of the time it's just races between people who are like adding to the pile yeah which by the way he um shot air also, he go. shot The Equalizer 3, which I'm going to see once we finish recording. Incredible. So, he he gets his money, too. Well, score for that year went to Hildur for Joker. Um, out of Can't all its wins, it. it's probably one of the ones I'm the least offended by. Yeah, and she, she gets very unscathed by that movie. I'd say so. Um, I'm trying to think if I can remember the other nominees. 1917, right? Probably. Uh, Thomas Newman, I want to say. Yeah. Don't you have the list in front of you? I just have the winners. Oh, okay. All right, whatever. Um, I think that was... I think she was pretty likely by the end. Oh, Jojo Rabbit, I think, was the, the other, like, possibility. Yeah, but I don't remember seeing that win a lot of things. Oh, you know what? Oh, Marriage Story. Um, oh. Randy Newman was nominated. Oh, it yeah, was It right. was going to be her. Yeah. I, it I, was kind of her. I remember it was always felt like her. Yeah. Uh, Roma wins the year before. Alfonso Cuaron wins. Um, did he need another Oscar? Not necessarily, but it was it was well shot. Um, it was never going to Robbie Ryan for the favorite. As cool as that no. would have been, uh, Lucas Al getting nominated for Cold War was the bonus, and like felt very much like okay, cool. They like Cold War. Um, Caleb Deschanel getting in for Never Look Away was a shock. Good for him. Um, and then uh, Maddie Lubatique for A Star Is Born would have been my pick, but they just. They didn't seem quite ready to go all in on A Star Is Born. They treated it as the, like, Gaga song movie. Yeah, there was that kind of limit there. Even though, I think, I mean, that movie comes out now and is the same size hit. It makes a billion dollars. Yeah. That that was a certifiable hit. It made 436. So that's about, that's, it might have doubled. 215 in the U.S. alone, so... Well, there you have quite, it. Quite profitable movie. Um, that year, uh, did Roma win also? For score, no. It went to uh, uh, Ludwig Göransson for Black Panther. Oh, yeah. Very cool. Who I think that was definitely that was... in danger of winning again for a phenomenal score with Oppenheimer. Yes, I think is arguably the front runner. I would agree. Um, then we had Deacons finally win for Blade Runner 2049. Yes. I, I'm, I'm, I might have gone Hoyt for Dunkirk, but can't complain in the slightest. Yeah, no, I mean, Deacons, you know, we, we, yeah, we go on about it. He should have won five times before this one, but it's, I think it's one of the most visually pleasing films like ever made. So I think this is a really great win. The work he did on that is phenomenal. Also, we had Rachel Morrison get the, uh, the first nomination for a woman in this category ever. Yeah. Mudbound. Not for nothing. Much as that was probably like fifth 
and and maybe like fourth, I would say, in terms of like preference. Um, still like incredibly notable. And she's actually um, making her directorial debut with um, Flint Strong this year. That's right. Yeah. Uh, well, score for that year goes to Alejandro Desplat for The Shape of Water, which they seem to love, but it's also a very lovely score. Sure, I'm, I'm a little bored with him winning, but no no huge issue. I think... It's not my Dunkirk? favorite of his wins, but it's a solid one. I, I like the Dunkirk score, but it's not as memorable. I don't remember it, so... Yeah. <laughs> Case I, I like all the... I, I like that kind of work, but... Um, trying to think if there was no i think eh, no huge complaint there uh 2016 la la land linus sangren before we get into our run of like you know these names um that was a slam dunk yeah um the other nominees that year were rival it was cool that bradford young got nominated please hire bradford young more yes um lion was a slight surprise greg frazier kind of like well which lion, actually worked out great lion kind of overperformed in general from memory yeah, and that got Greg Frazier on a lot of people's radars. So Good. that was a net positive as much as I don't necessarily love the visual. Like, Lion's fine. There's nothing about it that screams nominate that cinematography. Yeah. But it worked out. Moonlight, cinematography is great. James Laxon. I will always love that that's his nomination right after making um, a Kevin Smith movie and right before making another one. <laughs> so um, listen. And then uh, Silence, the sole nomination for Silence. There you go. Oh, yeah, that's right. Well, La La Land did really well across the text that year, and uh, it also won score for Justin Hurwitz, who should have won yep. again for Babylon, as we just said. I do I do um, think it wasn't a close race, but I, I love the Jackie score. I do, too. That's a really good one. I feel like Mika Levy will never win an Oscar, but I want more nominations. Agreed. That, that would be the maybe too cool win. Yeah. Uh, then we have, um, I'm going to quickly do three in a row. You don't have to do it if you don't want, but three in a row for uh, Lubeski. Revenant, Birdman, Gravity. And they were, weren't even close. Was yeah. The thing, if you remember. Like, what was the competition for Revenant? Mad Max? It was, it, Mad Max won the more, like, granular, tactile techs. Sure, right? sure. Um, Birdman, it was, it was a thousand percent winning. It wasn't even close. Yeah. Um, Budapest was maybe number two, but, like, so far away. Also, it was the year of dick poop. So. Yeah. That category was... Uh, it was done and dusted. Yeah. Also, the other nominees were Grand Budapest, but the other three were, were Ida, Lucas Al, Mr. Turner, and Unbroken. Like, movies nobody knows exist. Yeah. I saw and Mr. Turner, the, and I'm still not convinced it exists. I Listen, I, I enjoyed the... I thought it was well shot. Yeah, the cinematography think, um, does deserve to be there. Yeah, and... Um, and uh, uh, Timothy, Timothy Spall is great. Very good, very good. But I, I am just not a Mike Lee guy. No, I know. Yeah. Well, and for then those, Gravity. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no. Well, yeah. Gravity was definitely a done deal. Uh, number two, Nebraska, I guess. Yeah, but that's a pretty distant was, number two. Yeah, because it was the Grandmasters, which was shocking that even that came out, let alone got anything. Inside Lewin Davis, which it was its only nomination. And Prisoners, which was... Actually, it's Prisoners would have been the number two, I think, for Deacon. Yeah, but it was Deacon, so we just knew. Well, it wasn't well, sure, yeah, but in terms of the overall, well, so those three years is interesting because the only one that overlaps is uh, Gravity with Stephen Price, but uh, the previous two years, Grand Budapest get, does get another one. That's my favorite for Desplat. That's my favorite of his scores. No huge issue, but I don't love it. 
Um, and then The Hateful Eight uh, for Ennio Morricone, the only one from memory that that film won. But I do quite yeah. like that score. No, I love that they gave him that score. And that he won for a Tarantino movie is just a little bit of kismet there. But there's, there's something awesome about that. Um, I think that's good. We want to want to continue or you want to wrap on that that's one? That's probably fine. All right. So we got that done. So there you go, Sam. Um, which movie should have won the Oscar for film editing in 2005 and 2018? The Winners Crash and Bohemian Rhapsody were the worst of the nominations. Correct. I don't disagree. <laughs> um, Without remembering the, the rest offhand, that's correct. Yeah, yeah no, the the, um, the choice is correct. But let's go into the... Um, uh, the alternatives. Yeah, because I think I know my pick, but I want to go back. So we have Bohemian Rhapsody beating... Oh, come on. The favorite Black Klansman, Green Book, and Vice. Black Klansman. Uh, yeah, Black Klansman for sure. Um, I would accept the favorite as well. Same. And then with Crash, you had Cinderella Man, The Constant Gardener, Munich, Walk the Line. Not an amazing lineup, Munich. I'd say Munich as well. Though I bet you, I bet you someone not nominated is better. Yeah, um, Brokeback Mountain, Good Night and Good Luck, A History oh, of Good Violence. Good Night and Good Luck should have been there. History of Violence yep. would have been great. Um, both of all of those better options. Um, I don't love Syriana, but there's a lot of a lot of editing there. Yeah. I actually think um, very underrated editing movie, Matchpoint. That's a very tight... Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. Like, that's actually tighter than most Woody Allen movies. Agreed. That was that was very, like, lean and mean, and, like, he knew he was making something lean and mean. Well, and I remember um, I saw that early on in my Woody Allen watching career, and it gave me a very incorrect impression on what his films would be like yeah like nope nope this is this this caught on because it was a change of pace actually you know it's another one batman begins oh uh, yeah that well no i have some it's not a, i don't the editing in that yeah but would you prefer it over uh, crash i don't i don't like this choice that i've been presented with yeah all right and then he um has a question for us about uh the last emperor interestingly and that year so, should The Last Emperor have won all nine of its nominations in 87? Um, usually, no. But you never know. We can get into it. So, they won everything. Picture director, screenplay, art direction, cinematography, costume design, film editing, original score, and sound. Okay? So, those nominees... Well, let's not go to the official site, because that's a little harder to do. Uh, All right, the 60th Academy Awards. Tell me who you would give instead. Other nominees in picture, Broadcast News, Fatal Attraction, Hope and Glory, Moonstruck. How about Moonstruck? I might have said Fatal Attraction, actually, out of those. Yeah. Um, Last Emperor maybe like third for me. So this whole year is going to be tricky because I actually haven't seen The Last Emperor. So I'm Uh-oh. just going by what have I seen out of the alternatives. <laughs> okay. Uh, Bertolucci wins for The Last Emperor. And uh, maybe maybe not a dude you want to give an Oscar to now. Mm. Um, considering um, Last Tango in Paris. So other options. Adrian Lyne for Fatal Attraction. John Borman, Hope and Glory. Norman Jewis in Moonstruck. Lassa Halmstrom, My Life as a Dog. I guess I'll go the Moonstruck uh, sweep. 
Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> I just don't know enough about the other ones. I'll stick with Fatal Attraction. Why not? That's fair. Um, adapted screenplay, Last Emperor wins. Uh, Bertolucci again. Uh, the nominees are The Dead, Fatal Attraction, Full Metal Jacket, My Life as a Dog. Oh, I'll go Full Metal Jacket. I'm surprised it's Same. showing up more spots. I would have given that uh, uh, director. That movie underperformed, actually. I think that second half, as much as that's like way more like visually interesting, not that the first half isn't, uh, sort but of knocked it's less it down. narratively memorable. Exactly. Here's a war. Some people die. Uh, original score. David Byrne wins for The Last Emperor. Oh. Kind of feel like we have to keep that one. That's a pretty um, good one. Nominees are Cry Freedom. Empire of the Sun and early John Williams, The Untouchables, Ennio Morricone, and The Witches of Eastwick, also John Williams. Hmm. I might go The Untouchables. I remember that being a fun one. Yeah, I'll keep Last Emperor there. Uh, Sound, Last Emperor. Oh boy, are we going to pick the same one in a second. Other nominees are Empire of the Sun, Lethal Weapon, The Witches of Eastwick, and the one I think we're both going to pick, Robocop. Yeah, gotta be. Art Direction, Last Emperor, Empire of the Sun, Hope and Glory, Radio Days, The Untouchables. I go Radio Days. Underrated Woody Allen movie. Very cute. That's fine. I'll go Untouchables. I like that whole aesthetic. Yeah. Cinematography, uh, West Emperor uh, Vittorio Storaro, who actually would go on to work with Woody Allen quite a bit. Um, hard to go at, uh, not go for that one. Other options, Broadcast News, Empire of the Sun, Hope and Glory, and Madawan. This is for... Um... Cinematography. I'll go Empire of the Sun. All right. Costume design, Last Emperor, other nominees, The Dead, Empire of the Sun, Maurice, and The Untouchables. Same. Empire of the Sun, I guess, right? Yeah. And then film editing, Last Emperor, you have Broadcast News, Empire of the Sun, Fatal Attraction, Robocop. 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 So uh, I gave it one, you gave it none. <laughs> yep. <laughs> So but maybe um, if I watched it, I would feel differently. <laughs> yeah. So the next question was, who should have won picture and director? We we got into that. Um, I I went uh, Moonstruck for both. And um, yeah, so that's uh, I don't uh, yeah. There's not a ton to talk about for that year, considering you haven't seen that one. But yeah, I think uh, interesting year. That's uh, that was held on. April 11th, 1988, that was the second Oscars I was alive for. Wow. Because it was the 87 year. And I think the year before that, yeah, it was March 30th. I was two weeks old when the, uh, when Platoon won Best Picture. And even so, then, I get that you... Platoon as my Oscar movie. Yeah. Listen, for what it's worth, Platoon wins in a week, a week lineup. Children of a Lesser God, Hannah and her sisters, The Mission, A Room with a View. Hannah and her sisters deserves to be there. The other three... I could. I don't care, especially when you start getting to like Blue Velvet gets director but not picture. Uh, you don't like Blue Velvet? Why would I like Blue Velvet? I know. <laughs> what would I, I like about you. Blue Velvet? I just wanted to tee you up. Uh, Aliens is that year. Peggy Sue got married. Oh, Hoosiers. Um, Crocodile Dundee. <laughs> Nominated for original screenplay. Bizarre. The Color of Money. Stand by me. Uh, Star Trek for the Voyage Home. <laughs> Top Gun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if only we would have known. If only. Little Shop of Horrors. An American Tale. So, Heartbreak Ridge. Back when uh, Woody Allen, I mean, back when uh, Clint Eastwood, different old man, was not making awards movies. And sure. then he did, and then he stopped again. The Fly. 
All the non-Best Picture movies. Very interesting. Poltergeist 2, The Other Side. Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah. Nominee for visual effects. All right. So uh, let's wrap up. You can tell me when you uh, say where to be followed the two or three films from Telluride, TIFF, Venice, NYFF that you're most looking to hear about. Now that I've forgotten them all. Um, sure. You can find me on both. I'm just going to call it Twitter. Uh, and letterboxed at Miles on Film. That's M Y L E S on Film. Please check out my short films, American Exorcist and Once Upon a Dracula. They are both on YouTube under Aftershock Pictures and Chase Capo, respectively. If you're going to be in the Albuquerque area between September 8th through 24th, why not consider coming out to see the play that goes wrong at Albuquerque Little Theater? Go to albuquerquelittletheater.com for more information. Um, stuff I'm looking forward to. Well, the fingernails sounds quite interesting. Um, trying to think. What, what, were, what were some of the big ones that we talked about? Uh, poor Things is probably poor one th- for you. Poor Things is up there, obviously. Um, what else would I'm you trying say? To think. There was something um, you mentioned that I was like, oh yeah, I forgot about that, but that sounds really good. Bike Riders? Bike Riders I really want to hear about. That's three. Anatomy of a Fall? Yep. Yeah. yep. Alright. Cool. Um, that works. Uh, you can find me at Joey Magazine, Facebook, Twitter. I, as I told, I think I told Miles off air. I just haven't updated my app, so it's still Twitter for me. And I'm just gonna until I accidentally update all of my apps, it's just gonna stay Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, Letterboxd, Instagram, Threads, Blue Sky, all that stuff. Uh, Wards Radar is on several things. Um, Saltburn, I think, is my biggest one. I want that one to be so good because of how good Promising a Woman is. That's the big one. Poor Things is up there. And I guess when I I need something from from New York, Maestro. There you go. Though you know what's an underrated one? I think it's I think Toronto because I don't think it, I didn't see anyone listed as a Telluride movie. Hitman. Richard oh, Linklater. Oh yeah, Linklater one. I'm curious about that. That he co-wrote with Glenn Powell. No word on the I, killer showing up anywhere, right? Just Venice. Just Venice. That's right. Yeah, the Which po- is poster just dropped today. That looks pretty good. They're really uh, leaning into uh, the samurai, aren't they? Well, very samurai, very early Michael Mann. It's got that sort of, uh, yeah, like an older, like what the 70s thought of as neo-noir. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Do you also get the sense that maybe he made a not Oscar-friendly movie that Netflix has to navigate around? Oh, nothing about this looks Oscar-y to me. I'm excited for it, but I'm not anticipating that kind of reception. Yeah, I think maybe there was contractually it needs to go to a fall festival kind of thing. Or maybe sure. they just need well, to... Well, it may just you know, be... This... Listen, he makes really good genre movies sometimes. Oh, like, no. I'm... It, like, and I it's Andrew, argue... Andrew Kevin Walker. Yeah, exactly. Like, I would argue Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, it's kind of amazing it got as many nominations as it did. And I think that's probably residual goodwill from Social Network. Because if you look at, like, the content and subject matter of that movie, it's absolutely, like, a pulp thriller. Like, it's not... There's nothing classy about it except that he's a really good filmmaker. Feel bad movie of the year. Exactly. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I think... Uh... I think maybe you know what it might be it might be like this year's um not in terms of anything else just in terms of like strategy um blonde went to mm. te- went blonde went to venice didn't really go anywhere else kind of took its temperature at venice right yeah and 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 i think they they quite rightly sort of 
pierce through all the like very strong opinions in both ways to be like, well, what do we actually have, right? Yeah. We have a divisive movie. We have a movie that people will probably watch, right, on the platform for whatever reason. And we have at least one category in which we can compete. Because even the people who hated that movie and thought it was the worst thing ever made had at least begrudgingly good things to say about Ana de Armas. Right. Or at least, like, she's not the problem. People who liked it often raved about her. People who were very mixed about it, like Steve and myself, were like, there's a lot I like here. I, I think Andrew Dominic's a talented filmmaker. I think she's phenomenal. The movie gave me the heebie-jeebies, and I never want to see it again. And it makes some turns that I really wish it didn't. That's what I think they drilled down on, was like, that means we focus just on actress. Right. And forget about everything else, and we probably can get in, because it's still a Marilyn Monroe movie. And they did. And I think... I don't know what the what that'll be here. Maybe it's like lone director Fincher. You know, it could be like the um, director cinematography kind of thing, like with yeah. uh, Bardo. I mean, they just did cinematography, but um, that was sort of. I, I I remember even telling them like Bardo should do the um, the Cold War yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Where the uh, you know director cinematography international feature like that's that's a that's a real like classy threesome, right? Very like the filmmaker forward. Well, and and it's much that's... it's much more achievable than trying to be more ambitious. Yeah, I mean that that that's what I would say. Not having seen it and probably not seeing it until it uh, comes out. Um, you can see where I have it on my uh, Oscar predictions, which have been updated. They'll get updated again after the festivals. But a great like where we are right now. Kind of how we did a very brief like take a temperature of the race just now. Yeah, there will be more to say once at least some of these things are known commodities as opposed to well I was going to say because I'm, I'm off next week but then by the time I'm back the week after I feel like we'll have a lot more to say oh yeah I think by the time not this coming episode which I'll be I'll be home from Telluride getting ready to leave from Toronto um, I don't want to promise this but I'm going to try to get um, Ryan and or Mark because we'll be at Toronto together I bet Telluride together I could end up with someone else I'll see who else we have uh, maybe Clarence um, from Awards uh, Daily or something like that mm-hmm. uh, maybe maybe Eric Anderson I'll see I'll see who has the time that's that's the issue because I think I'm leaving a day earlier than everyone because I just I, it's so damn expensive and also I don't want to go directly to Toronto that feels upsettingly short sure. <laughs> to just like never be home. I like my dog and things like that. But uh, I will try to get someone on to talk Telluride. If not, I'll see if maybe Steve can just listen to me <laughs> kind of thing. Otherwise, I guess I could do a solo show, but that seems very dull. Even though these kind of, even though if it's you or Steve, it kind of is a solo show when I talk about festivals. Sometimes. Unless, oh, it depends on what strikes your interest. Like if I had seen The Killer, you have questions, but like. Totally. What are you going to ask me about Wildcat besides, like, how is it? <laughs> you know? Oh. Unless I tell you something particularly interesting that strikes your fancy, it's not a movie you care about beyond, like, I hope it does well enough for Ethan Hawke. Sure, exactly. You know? So, we'll see. But, yeah, we'll, we'll – the episode after will be once I'm home from Toronto and you'll be back on your normal schedule. Yeah. So we'll do that on Tuesday or Wednesday night kind of thing. And I'll have my Toronto wrap up, which I think will be good because you can ask about Telluride stuff also because much of that will have crossed over. And then by then it'll be time to update predictions. Yeah. All right. Yep. So um, I will no longer be sleeping for the rest of the next couple of weeks. Good times. Next time you hear Miles, he'll be able to talk about his show. 
So um, we will see what the movies and Miles take us out by giving everyone one more chance to uh, check out the show or follow for updates there. Oh, um, yeah. AlbuquerqueLittleTheater.com. <laughs> you can order your tickets and uh, follow me on social media and I post stuff about it. Yeah. Bye, everybody. Take care, everyone. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe and to visit awardsradar.com for the best in awards and entertainment content. <laughs>